I know that the winds were blowing. I know we had to get out a little bit early, but I believe the Lord gave us a word. He kept us through the week and proved himself faithful, and he's brought you back to his house again. How many of you are ready for a word this evening? Amen. The title of my message tonight is, While You Were Sleeping, taken from Mark chapter 13, verses 33 to 37. Before we read it and go there one more time, ask the Lord to... Anoint me and anoint you. Amen. Father God, we just thank you that you are awesome in this place. It's because of your awesomeness, Father God, that I can even stand behind this pulpit. Because of your awesomeness, I can bring forth your word. Because of your awesomeness, Father God, I can just trust in you, God, as can your people. So tonight, Father God, I pray that you would be awesome through your word. That the power of your Holy Spirit would anoint me and anoint your people. God, that they would hear your words this evening, Father, and not mine, that they would see you and not me, that they would respond to you and not me, that they would uh, yield themselves, Father God, all of us yield ourselves to the direction of your Holy Spirit this evening. Just be glorified this night, Father. Be high and lifted up, and I pray that you, uh, that your glory would fill uh, this temple, not just this physical temple, but God, above all, that you would fill these earthly temples, God, our bodies, our beings. We thank you for it in Jesus' name and all of God's people said, amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. tonight. I'm not sure if that, is that clock correct? Just so I know. Okay, good. Amen. Well, tonight my message, I want to give a, give a little bit of lead in. My message tonight is about one of two events uh, in our Christian faith or our Christian life that we cannot afford to lose sight of. Uh, one of two events that we cannot afford to forget concerning our faith and two truths that must always, in my opinion, be before our eyes and be before our heart and be before us in everything that we do. One of those two is the cross of Jesus Christ and the other is the rapture of the church. These are two things that I believe that we as Christians can never afford to lose sight of in our walk with God or in our faith. Because if the cross of Christ is not ever before us, if the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, if the blood of Jesus Christ, if the 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 work of Jesus Christ is not ever before us and we're not ever reminded of that sacrifice in the blood of Jesus Christ, I believe that our faith will surely falter. Uh, because without the cross, like we learned last week, I think it was, without the cross of Christ, there is no newness of life. Without the cross of Christ and the blood of Christ and all of those things that are associated with the cross, without those things, old things can't pass away and all things can't become new. We learned that already last week. In the same way, I believe that without the rapture, being at the forefront of our faith, without the rapture and the, the, the snatching away of the bride being ever before us, I believe that we will wander from the faith. Because without eternity always before our eyes, without eternity always being at the forefront of our faith, we will lose sight of eternity and we will become distracted by the things of this world and the wickedness of this world and we will wander from our faith. And I believe with all of my heart. It's why Jesus teaches this, this word that I'm going to bring. Next week, I'm going to begin a series called A Journey to the Cross. It's something that the Lord has been stirring in my soul for weeks, and I feel like I've got enough together to begin on that process, and I encourage all of you to be a part of that series because it's going to reacquaint us with the cross. I don't know how long the series will go. I know it'll be a number of weeks, but I'm going to be led by the Spirit as, in regards to that. But tonight, I simply want to remind us that the same 
same son that died upon the cross is coming back to take his bride one day. The same son that died upon the cross and shed his blood upon the cross says that he will come back one day to take his bride back to glory so that we could ever be with him once again in heaven. These are the things that we need to keep in mind. And my word is based or my word is based upon the fact that we cannot afford for him to come back while we are sleeping. We cannot afford to be caught unaware when the when the the bridegroom comes back for his bride. And you know, there's some times that I wonder, you know, God, why would you have me bring this church to a faithful crowd? Bring it to bring it to a group of people that are always here on Wednesday night. And the Lord reminded me in this passage of scripture that this word was to the disciples and this word is for all of us. No matter where we are in our faith, we always have to be reminded of the cross. And we always have to be reminded that eternity must be at the forefront of our faith, no matter who we are or where we are in Jesus Christ. But these are the words of the Lord. In Mark chapter 13, verse 33 to 37, Jesus puts the rapture of the church at the forefront of the disciples' faith. He's not speaking to heathens. He's not speaking to those that are lost. In this passage of Scripture, he brings to the forefront of the disciples' faith the rapture of the church. And he tells them to keep it there. He tells them, don't allow this event that's going to be taking place uh, to, to, to move from your eyesight or to move from the forefront of your faith. I want you to keep it there. And he speaks these words, be on guard, watch, and pray. For you do not know when that time will come, referring to the rapture. It's like a man going away. He leaves his house and puts his servants in charge, each with his assigned task, and tells the one at the door to keep watch. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know when the owner, when the master of the house will come back, whether in the evening or at midnight or when the rooster crows or at dawn. And when he comes suddenly, do not let him find you sleeping. And that's where my title comes from. What I say to you, I say to everyone, watch. And what I want you to realize is Jesus made it clear none of us are exempt from this word this evening. He said, what I say to you, my close-knit group of disciples, I say to everyone, I want you to be on guard, I want you to watch, and I want you to pray, because I'm coming back to take my bride to glory. But in this parable, or, or in every parable actually, that Jesus ever taught, there is a priority to the parable. Every parable Jesus teaches has a core truth or a principle that we have to grasp and that the rest of the parable uh, is built upon. And in this parable, in this passage, Jesus is speaking to a handful of disciples, like I said, and he makes the priority of this parable very clear when in his first six words, he outlines every Christian's uh, duty and says, be on guard, watch and pray. Be on guard, watch and pray. He's saying to his disciples and every one of his believers, be on guard because the owner of the house is coming back soon. Be on guard because the master is about to return. Be on guard because you cannot afford for him to come while you are sleeping. Amen. So he says, be on guard. 
One of the very first things that Jesus points out to his disciples is their personal spiritual duty. And whether you are aware of it or not, and I've preached it, and I know the pastor has, and I know you've heard it all the time, but if we call ourselves saints, if we call ourselves a part of the body of believers, if we call ourselves sons and daughters of the Most High God or Christians or part of the family of God, we've got to understand that there are spiritual responsibilities and spiritual duties that go along with that claim to Jesus Christ. You can't just claim Christianity and think, okay, now I've got no duties and I've got no responsibilities. But in this passage of Scripture, Jesus makes it very clear what those duties and responsibilities are as a believer. It is to be on guard. It is to watch and it is to pray. And without you you and I fulfilling those duties, I believe we're going to fail in our Christian faith. I believe that our eternity won't be secured unless we learn how to be on guard, watch, and pray. Jesus makes it quite clear what the what three of our responsibilities are, three of our priorities are, three of our duties are. Like I said, be on guard, watch, and pray. I know that the Word of God tells us and talks about guarding our footsteps. Guard your footsteps when you go into the house of the Lord. Guard your footsteps as you walk along life's way. I know he talks about guarding our mouths and the, the words that have to come out of the words that we allow to come out of our mouths. I know on several occasions throughout Scripture, Jesus calls us to guard or we are called to guard our minds from unclean thoughts and impure thoughts. We are to guard our lips from speaking evil. I know the Word of God tells us that we are to guard our eyes and not set any unclean thing before them. And even David said, like we learned last week, a young man keeps his ways pure by guarding them according to the Word of God. This is something that we talked about last week. But even though these are all Christian duties... Even though all those things I just mentioned are are Christian uh, principles and priorities and disciplines that we have to live by and have implemented in every uh, day of our life. In this passage, Jesus is specific about what we are to be on guard concerning, and that is the coming of Christ. That is the rapture of the church. It is we are called to be on guard for the most important supernatural one-time event in our Christian life. And it is the rapture of the church. It is when Jesus Christ, as the bridegroom, comes back for the bride. The bride that is pure and spotless. The bride that has its lamp trimmed. The bride that has its oil. The bride that is ready and waiting for the coming of the groom. That's what Jesus wants us to be on guard concerning. You see, all those other things don't matter. You can guard your words and you can guard your thoughts and you can guard your footsteps and you can guard all those other things. But listen, if you're not guarding yourself, if you're not guarding and watching and praying concerning the coming of the bridegroom, none of that other stuff matters. You've got to be on guard because that day is coming and that day is coming soon. Some people call it the taking of the bride. The word rapture, like you all should know, it doesn't really appear in Scripture, but it, it, it refers to the snatching away of the saints. You see, Jesus is reminding his disciples of a time that is still coming. He's not talking about an event that already took place. He's talking about a time which is still coming. He's reminding them of an event that has been calendared and scheduled by God Almighty Himself. He's referring and talking about a, a, a place, uh, a, a time 
that is still yet to occur, a prophecy which will one day be fulfilled. He's talking about an hour that is yet to come. He's talking about the rapture of the church. However, what we need to understand in this passage of Scripture is that the day and the time and the hour no one knows. We don't know the day. We don't know the time. We don't know the hour. Only the Father knows, the Bible says. And that's why Jesus said, be on guard. That's why Jesus said, watch. That's why Jesus said, pray. Because no one knows the hour or the time or the day. Listen, if you knew the hour, if you knew the time, if you knew the day, you could plan accordingly. You could party all you want, all up until the time before you know that Jesus is coming back and you try to get things right. But Jesus didn't tell us that and God didn't tell us that on purpose. Why? Because he wants your whole life to be on guard. He wants your whole life to be dedicated to Him. He wants every moment of your life to count and make a difference for the kingdom of God. He doesn't tell us the time because He wants us to be ready all the time. He didn't tell us the day because He wants us to be ready every day. didn't tell us the very moment because He wants eternity to be before our lives every moment of every day. That's what Jesus wants, church. Be on guard. When he talks about being on guard, he's saying, therefore, be on guard against all those people and all those places and all of those things that would cause you to be indisposed when the bridegroom comes. He's calling us to be on guard against all those people and all of those places and all of those things that would cause us to be ill-prepared at the coming of the bridegroom, church. So often we can get caught up in the other cares and the other concerns and the other interests and the other occupations of life that we forget about what we've been called to. And Jesus is saying, be on guard that the cares of this world and the concerns of this world and the occupations of this world do not keep you from the occupations and the duties and the responsibilities that I have placed upon you as sons and daughters of God. You see, I've preached it before, and I'm not going to spend time on it, but there's a high call in life and a low call in life. The high call in life are our Christian duties and responsibilities to, that we have to our Father which is in heaven. There are, there's a low call in life, and that's to pay your bills and do your job and, do, you know, put food on your table and all those types of things. But when the low call of life interferes with the whole high call of life, something's wrong. When you get so consumed and focused on the low call of life, listen. Listen to me. You will lose sight of the things that are important. And you will be ill-prepared and you risk the bridegroom coming while you were sleeping. And we cannot afford for that to happen. Jesus said, be on guard against all those individuals who would bring you into a spiritual slumber. You see, I want you to understand, church, that this world is filled with people and places and things that can bring you into a spiritual slumber. This world is filled with people, places, and things that can deceive you and, and mislead you and, and lie to you and entice you and seduce you. That's the way this world is designed. It's the way the devil operates. He comes to seduce you and, and draw your affection and your attention and your focus away from the Father. And Jesus is saying, be on guard against all those who would woo you and seduce you and distract you and deceive you in life. Be on guard against all of those individuals who would lead us astray and possibly cause us to miss the coming of the bridegroom 
when he comes to take away the bride. Be on guard against those people, places, and things that would steal your attention, like I said, away from the Father. Those that would tempt us and trouble us away from our duty to be ready, to be waiting, to be watching, and to be praying. You see, that's what the devil will do. Listen, why do you think when you go to pray, the phone rings? Why do you think when you go to find a place to pray, the neighbor comes knocking, the neighbor you never heard from for three months comes knocking on your door when it's time for you to pray? Why do you think the kids start crying when you try to get alone with God? You see, because the devil is trying to deceive us and distract us away from keeping eternity in our eyesight. Every time you pray, you should think about eternity. Every time you open up the Bible, you should think about eternity. Eternity should ever be before our eyes. And eternity is the last thing the devil wants you to think about. Because when your eyes are fixed on eternity, listen to me, it changes the way you live today. When your eyes are fixed on the Father of the future and the Father of glory, when your eyes are fixed on eternity and the coming of the King, it changes the way you live today. It changes the way you talk, and it changes the way you walk, and it changes the way you think, and it changes the way you preach, and the way you teach, and the way you do ministry. It changes the way you treat your husband, and treat your wife, and love on your kids when you've got your eyes on eternity. It transforms the way you live today. But listen to me, when you get your eyes off of eternity, you get your eyes off of the Father, you get your eyes off of the glory of God, something becomes corrupt in your life today. Eternity is what keeps us pure. Eternity is what drives us on. And the sad reality is there's a lot of individuals in the house of God who have not had a glimpse of eternity their eyes are no longer focused on the Father and the things which are still to come. They're so consumed with today, they don't even think about tomorrow. They're so enthralled by the pleasures of today that they don't think about tomorrow. And Jesus is saying, be on guard, my children. Watch and pray so you're prepared. This is what the Word of the Lord is, church. I hope you understand that the devil will bring people into your life that will try to rock you to sleep. The devil will bring people into your life that will try to lull you into a spiritual slumber. It happened to the greatest of individuals in the Bible. Listen, the king of Israel, David, the mighty man of God who killed Goliath, church, he was seduced into a spiritual slumber even on the rooftop of royalty. The highest place in the land a man could dwell. The most powerful man in the kingdom of God was seduced away from eternity on his own rooftop of royalty. If it happened to him, it can happen to you and me. Samson, the most anointed man of God mentioned in Scripture... The man that could have torn apart uh, the enemy camps with his bare hands, who had an unbelievable, awesome anointing upon his life, lost it in the lap of Delilah. He was seduced away, and if it can happen to him, it can happen to you and me. Be on guard, Jesus said. Watch and pray, because none of us are beyond temptation. None of us are beyond falling. None of us are beyond being left behind, church. Be on guard, watch, and pray. 
There before the grace of God go I, we need to be reminded every day. I've been in the church for 30 years. You can still fall when your eyes aren't on eternity, when your eyes aren't on the Father, when you're not keeping guard of your heart and of your spiritual life. This is what Jesus is saying. It's what he's teaching in this world. We've got to be on guard against anyone or anything that would cause us to forget that the master is coming. Cause us to forget that the hour is near. Cause us to forget that the owner may arrive at any moment, Jesus said. So Jesus teaches not just the disciples. He teaches all of us because he said, what I say to you, I say to everyone, but all of us, that we should be on guard at all times, the Bible says. You know as well as I do that over the years that the coming of the Lord has been predicted by all sorts of men. All sorts of women, all sorts of individuals. The doomsday has been predicted by every generation. Even today, there's a book out called 2012 Predicting Armageddon. Coming in less than one year. Coming within one year based on the Mayan calendar. And even though I don't buy into all of that false, uh, you know, stuff. Even though I don't buy into all those false predictions and those false prophecies and all those things. I'll tell you, the Mayans got one thing right. The end is coming. I don't care if it's just because they ran out of calendar space. The end is coming. The reality is, I don't care all of the false prophecies that took place and all the individuals that said the end is coming. They might have got the time wrong. They might have got the date wrong. They might have got the occasion wrong. But they all have one thing in common. And it's the same exact thing Jesus said. I am coming. I am coming. And that's why Jesus said, be on guard, watch and pray, because I am coming. Be on guard, church. Jesus makes it very clear that no man knows the hour, no man knows the day in Matthew 24, 36. The Bible says not even the angels. Most of the manuscripts say not even the Son knows. Not even Jesus Himself, the one who's teaching this parable, the Bible says not even He knows. And that's why He said, be on guard. Watch and pray. Be on guard. Watch and pray. The date's not predicted in God's Word. It never has been and it never will be. I want you to know that the date of God's return, the time, the hour of God's return has never been revealed to man. It never will be revealed to man. And anyone says that it has been, they're a liar and don't listen to them. Because the Word of God doesn't say that. No one will ever know the time. No one will ever know the hour. No one will ever know the moment until it happens, church. No one will know until the clouds roll back. No one will know until the trumpet sounds. No one will know until the angel of the Lord descends with a shout. No one will know until it's too late, until that moment comes. And that's why Jesus said, be on guard, watch, and pray. Because no man knows the hour. So whatever the hour is is you better be ready we know he's going to come like a thief in the night listen to me no one will know therefore listen the priority of this parable the main principle of this parable has nothing to do about when he's coming back it has to do with being ready whenever he comes back that's what we have to understand we have to be on guard watch and pray we have to keep his return at the forefront of our faith or we will falter. As I was putting this together, I, I wonder, I began to ask myself, 
And I had a saving grace because today I actually did talk to somebody about the Lord coming back, not just you. I had a personal conversation with somebody about the Lord's return, about them having to be ready, about the Lord coming back to make sure that they're where they need to be, that they need to guard the soil of their soul. I've had that conversation. But before that, the Holy Spirit asked me, how often is eternity at the forefront of your conversation? How often is eternity and the coming of Christ? How often is my return? How often is, 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 is my return for the bride at the forefront of your thought process, at the forefront of your conversation? When's the last time, Jeff, you told someone Jesus is coming back? When's the last time you told them to be ready? When's the last time you... See, listen to me, church. When we get our eyes off of eternity, we become a lousy witness for God. When we don't care about eternity, why would we care about it for anyone else? But listen to me. The more we get our eyes on eternity, the more we care for the lost. The more we get our eyes on eternity, the more we care about our family that isn't in the right place. The more we got our eyes on the fact that Jesus is coming back, the more we tell other people about it. We get so consumed with our own stuff. That we forget about eternity and therefore it's not urgent for us to tell anyone else. If it's not urgent for us, why would it be urgent to tell anyone else? Listen to me. I believe here in America we have been so lulled to sleep. It's why we have now become a, a missionary destination. Instead of missionaries going from here because we have fallen asleep even in the house of God and people from other places in the world have to come and wake us up. How shameful it is for this nation that was built upon the the rock of Jesus Christ and the word of God to have to have missionaries come and tell us that Jesus is coming. Because we've got so consumed with the temporal that we've forgotten all about the eternal. And Jesus is saying to his disciples, be on guard, watch and pray. Get yourself focused on the eternal. Because the devil's going to come into your life, church, and try to seduce you away. So listen, when Jesus returns isn't the priority of his preaching. It's not the principal point of his message. Jesus himself, the bridegroom, who is the one that is returning for the church in this passage of Scripture, shows no concern as to when he's coming back. He shows no concern as to the hour, the time, or the day. He simply shows the concern that we are ready whenever it might be. The reality is, when Jesus comes back is not as important as being ready when Jesus comes back. When the clouds roll back, when the trumpet blasts, when the angel of the Lord descends with a shout is not nearly as important as being ready whenever those things happen. And that's the priority. That's the principle that Jesus is trying to teach here. So I hope you realize whether Jesus returns in the morning or Jesus returns in the afternoon or Jesus returns at night, the priority is being ready. Whether Jesus comes tonight, whether he comes tomorrow, whether he comes next year or five years from now, isn't the point Jesus is making. The point Jesus is making is whenever I decide to send my son, be ready. 
And that's the priority of the parable. If Jesus were to come this hour, being ready this hour is what's important. If Jesus was to come at midnight, being ready at midnight is what's important. If Jesus wasn't to come until next week, next month, next year, or ten years from now, what's important is being ready. What's important is enduring that whole time that we have eternity at the forefront of our faith. That we are on guard, that we watch and we pray so that whenever it happens, we're ready. So in order to be ready, in order to be prepared for that which we do not know, which is the time Jesus is coming, we must be on guard, watch and pray, Jesus said. Understand, Satan will do all that he can to put you to sleep. He'll do all that he can to occupy your time. He'll do all that he can to waste your time and waste my time. He'll do all that he can to cause you and I to lose track of time. How many years it's been since you made a promise. How many years you've put off, uh, I'll, I'll do it tomorrow. God, I'll get serious tomorrow. And he'll do everything that he can to cause you and me to lose track of time so that when that time comes, it's too late. So that when that time and that event comes or happens, when that hour finally descends upon our lives, when eternity finally touches today, we won't be ready. That's the goal of the devil, church, and we must be ready. His goal is to have you overtaken by slumber so that you're not taken away by the Savior. Please understand that. His goal is to, get, is to overtake you with a spiritual slumber so that the Savior won't take you away. And that's why we have to be on guard. It's why we have to watch, and it's why we have to pray. Understand, listen, the devil knows not the day of the Lord's return either. He's got no inside information. He's got no privileged point of view. He doesn't know the day or the hour. He doesn't know the day of the Lord's return, just like we don't. So he will distract you and I every day until the Lord's return. I hope you understand that, church. Satan, because Satan knows not the hour that Jesus is coming, he will go after you every hour until Jesus comes. Every hour, Satan will try to seduce you. Every hour, Satan will try to tempt you. Every hour, Satan will try to woo you away from the Father. Every hour, the devil will try to trip you up and hold you back. Every hour, he will try to put you to sleep and try to get our eyes off of eternity. Because he doesn't know what hour Jesus is coming. He'll mess with us every single hour. And that's why Jesus said, be on guard, watch, and pray. Because the Lord could come any day... Satan attacks us every day. How many of you know that? How many of you know? You know, if the Lord wasn't coming back, the devil wouldn't be working as hard as he is. But he knows the Lord is coming back. He knows Jesus is coming for the bride. And every single day, he'll try to stain our garments. Every single day, he'll try to disqualify us from being the bride. Every day, he'll just try to filthy us up so we're not ready for the coming of the bridegroom. Jesus is coming again, church. We might not know the time, the day, the hour, but he's coming again. If it were not so, I would have told you, Jesus said. But because I go away, I will come again and take you with me so that where I am, you might be also. How many of you know that God's not a man that he would lie? It's not the son of man that he would change his mind. When he speaks, he acts. When he promises, he fulfills. Jesus does what he says he's going to do. And Jesus said, I'm coming back again. And because I am coming back again, you've got to be on guard. You've got to watch. You've got to be ready. And you've got to pray. 
How many of you know that slumber is not part of our spiritual call to duty? Sleeping on the job is not part of our job description as a believer. It's not in our employee manual if you want to say we have that. I don't know any job out there in the natural that says part of your job description is to sleep while you're supposed to be working. To sleep while you're supposed to be producing. To sleep while you've got other duties and responsibilities. I don't know any handbook and any employee manual that has that written. And I assure you, it's not part of the Christian manual either. It's not part of the, the king's marching orders concerning his soldiers. It's not to fall asleep. It is to be on guard. It is to watch and pray. It is to advance the kingdom of God. And you can't advance anything while you're sleeping. You can't advance any kingdom or any cause while you're sleeping. The sluggard comes to ruin, the Bible says. And I'm talking about a spiritual sluggard as well. We cannot advance the kingdom or the cause of Christ in our lives if we're sleeping spiritually. So Jesus goes on and says in verse 34, and I'm going to start winding this down. It's like a man going away, Jesus said. He leaves his house and puts his servants in charge, each with his assigned task and responsibility. And the first thing Jesus reminds us of in this verse is that each one of us have a task. Each one of us has a set of spiritual duties and responsibilities that are to be fulfilled before the master returns. Before the Lord comes back. Before the clouds roll back. Before the trumpet sounds. Before the angel of the Lord descends with a shout. There's a set of duties and responsibilities that the master gave to the servants that were to be completed before he came back. And part of that was to watch and wait and be ready. So I want you to understand sleeping is not one of those duties, but being on guard, watching and praying are as is. And this is where I'm going to start to wind it down. As is serving. Since in the same passage of Scripture, in the same parable, he doesn't just tell us to, to be on guard. He doesn't just tell us to watch. He doesn't just tell us to pray. He calls us servants, means, meaning that we must serve as well. You see, the reality is he doesn't call us to be like the Thessalonians who were rebuked because of a position they took. They, the Lord's coming back. You know what they did? They forsook all of their responsibilities and all of their duties. And they stood on the street corner and they gazed up into the heavens waiting for the clouds to roll back. And they had their hands in their pocket and they just waited for the Lord to come. They forsook all of their spiritual duties and responsibilities. Guess what? They stopped serving. They stopped doing. They stopped advancing the kingdom of God. They stopped They stopped professing the gospel and preaching the gospel. They stopped going into the highways and the byways, compelling others to come to Jesus Christ. So what I want you to understand, church, is that we, during this time where we are watching and waiting for the return of the Lord, we are to be serving and working as well. We are to be advancing the kingdom of God. Listen, I've said it before, I'll say it again. The work of the kingdom is not limited to the pulpit. The work of the kingdom is not limited to the pastor. It's not limited to the staff. It's not limited to the elders. Before Jesus ascended to the Father, He put us, His, His people, in charge of His earthly kingdom. And He gave us all duties. As a matter of fact, Ephesians 4.12 says, God has appointed apostles and prophets and evangelists and preachers and teachers for the equipping of the saints so that they might do the work of service and build up the body of Christ. So that they might do the work of service, meaning so they 
are servants. You get what I'm saying? So that they might build up the body of Christ. There's a lot of people in the house of God who think it's my duty or pastor's duty or Pastor Darrell's duty or the Sunday school teacher's duty to build up the body of Christ. But I want you to understand Jesus said it's your duty as well. You know, one of the things that er, that, there's something that irks me so much about certain Christians in the house of God, and that's those individuals that complain about the church body, complain about the body of Christ, but they have done diddly squat to build up the body of Christ. They've done diddly squat to serve the body of Christ and to yield to the body of Christ and to, to be a part of building up and doing something great within the body of Christ. Listen, if you're not doing anything for the body, be quiet. If you're not doing anything to serve the kingdom of God and serve the family of God, be quiet. Keep your mouth shut because it is your duty and your responsibility to help build up the body with the pastor. It's not your job to chew them up. It's your job to build them up. It's not your job to cuss them up. It's your job to build them up. It's not your job to hold them up and stick them up. It's your job to build them up. Your job. If you got a complaint against the church, guess what? It's your fault because you're not doing your job. I'm not saying that to be mean or negative or condemning, but listen to me. The pastor can only do so much, and the staff can only do so much. It's why he appointed all of these people to equip you, the saints, to build up the body of Christ. This is what we've been called to do. This is part of this parable that Jesus is teaching. He put us in charge. He gave us duties and responsibilities while we're waiting, watching, and praying does you no good to just pray, pray, pray. Listen, does no good to pray if you're not willing to serve. It does no good to pray if you're not willing to offer yourself in that prayer as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. Guess what? A servant, you know what his occupation is? To serve. A servant's occupation is to serve. It is to be, it is to be made, it is to offer yourself to someone else's complete disposal. And that's what a servant is. Okay, God, how do you want to use me today? How do you want to use me in the kingdom? How do you want to use me up in the kingdom? What do you want me to do for the kingdom of God? That's what it means to be a servant, to be used up. And this is part of this parable that Jesus is teaching, church. Unfortunately, servanthood isn't a popular preaching nowadays. I've said it before, I'll say it again. People would rather sit at the table than serve at the table. They'd rather eat at the table than help clean up the table. Most prefer the head seat instead of the the, the back seat where Jesus actually tells us to sit. The reality is Jesus said, when you come to the table, take the seat at the end of the row so that when the one who offered you the invitation comes, he might exalt you to a place of honor. But guess what? We show up in the presence of God. I'm all that, God. Where's my front row seat? I'm all that, God. Where's my worldwide ministry? Where's it at, God? And those individuals have yet to tend to one single sheep. Those individuals have yet to tend to one need among the body of Christ. Yet they want to sit at the front row. I'm not talking about y'all up here. You know what I'm talking about? A spiritual sense. God put me in that high place of honor. Good Lord, start tending some sheep. 
find a father-in-law like Moses did and tended sheep for 40 years in the wilderness before you ask for this high and mighty place of honor. We've got to be servants, church. We've got to be least of all, the Bible says. Be on guard, watch and pray and serve. These are the duties of a spiritual Christian. These are the duties of every son and daughter of the Most High God. And I'm, I'm, I'm bringing this to a close. Therefore, in verse 35, Jesus said, Keep watch, because you do not know when the owner, when the master of the house will come back, whether in the evening or at midnight or when the rooster crows or at dawn. And he goes on in 36 and says, When the master comes suddenly, do not let him find you sleeping. But the way Jesus told this parable, he's really saying, but let him find you watching and waiting and serving and praying as well. You see, the reality is last week I talked all about Jesus coming into the garden and looking for the fruit. And part of the fruit that I talked about last week is this thing called watching and praying and serving. This is how we produce spiritual maturity in our lives. This is how we keep eternity in our forefront. When eternity is in our forefront, when eternity is ever before us, it matures us in our faith. It causes the things of this world to pass away. Paul said, when I was a child, I thought like a child, acted like a child, reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, when I became spiritually mature, listen, when I got a glimpse of eternity, he was teaching us. When I got a glimpse of eternity, I became a man. All those things passed away. This is how we mature in Jesus Christ. We keep eternity in our forefront. But here's what I want you to see. Jesus said the master's coming suddenly. 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 In a moment, the twinkling of an eye, in a second. Please understand that the coming of the Lord, that the rapture is always only a blink away. Blink, blink. It's done, it's gone, it's over. There's not going to be any 15-minute announcement of his coming. There's not going to be any special news bulletin, any special news flash. There's not going to be some, uh, you know, weather alert warning like we heard last week going off all over the place that a tornado's on the way. He's coming in a moment. He's coming in an instant. He's coming in the blinking of an eye. You blink and it's done and it's gone. And this is exactly why Jesus said, be on guard, watch and pray. Because when you hear about it, it's way too late. There will be a lot of people that hear all about the rapture, but they won't see it because they weren't on guard, because they weren't watching, because they weren't praying. They weren't praying that the Holy Spirit would keep them strong. They weren't praying that the Holy Spirit would guide them. They weren't praying that they would overcome the temptations and the seductions of the devil. They weren't praying and covering themselves in the blood of Jesus Christ. They weren't praying that they would stay focused on the author and the finisher of their faith. They weren't praying to the one who is an ever-present help in a time of trouble. Listen, they were not praying to the only one that could see them through, to the one who was and is and is still to come. Be on guard, watch, and pray. If you want to be on guard, if you want to be ready, if you're willing to watch and you're willing to pray, I want you to stand to your feet tonight. And this is the, the confession that we're making to the Lord. Every single one of us need to examine our life. And we need to ask ourselves, where is eternity in our faith? 
Is it priority? Have we forgot about it? Think about it now and then. Or is it what drives us in our faith? If it's not what drives you, you'll get lost. If it's not what drives you, you'll wander from the Father. If it's not the very thing that dictates your every step that you take every day, you're going to end up in a place of destruction and devastation. Not just you, but me. We'll end up in a place like Samson did, walking around a, a grill, a, a, a mill wheel. We'll end up in a heap of ashes like David did, where pain and suffering came into his life. But we're here tonight and we're saying, God, I need to watch better. I need to pray better. I need to be on guard better. The Bible says here, what I say to you, I say to everyone, watch and pray. There's no one in the house tonight that's exempt from this word. No one. I don't care how solid you are in the faith. I don't care how often you read the Bible. I don't care how often you pray. No one of us is exempt from this word. We must be on guard, watch, and pray. So let's do that. Father God, we thank you this evening for your word. We thank you, Father God, for the promise that you will be coming back again. You didn't leave us alone. You didn't forsake us. You told us that if I go away, I will come again so that where you are, we might be also. I thank you, Father, that you're preparing a place in glory for us. I thank you, Jesus, that you're interceding for us each and every moment and each and every day because you understand how important it is for us to be on guard, watch, and pray. I thank you, God, that we're not praying alone. You're praying with us. I thank you, God, that, you're, that we're not watching alone. You're watching with us. That we're not striving alone. You're striving with us. That we're not traveling alone. You're traveling with us. Because you never leave us and you never forsake us. So I pray in the name of Jesus that you would bring eternity back to the forefront of our faith. Wherever it might have slid to, Father God. However it might have gotten covered up. However, we might have forgotten about it and it become unimportant in our lives. Whatever cares and concerns of this temporal world have gotten in the way of eternity, God, I pray that you would remove them from our lives and bring our priorities back into place. God, I pray that each and every day we would think about eternity, that we would dwell upon eternity, that part of our prayer would become quickly, Lord, and get us out of this wicked, rotting world. I pray that our hearts would be turned away from this world that is passing away and that our heart would be set on glory and our heart would be set on our home which is in heaven. I pray that you would empower us by your Holy Spirit, God. That you would lead us in the path of righteousness. That you would give us spiritual eyes to see, spiritual ears to hear. And that we would be on guard every day. That we would watch every day. And that we would pray in your presence every single day. So that there will not be the day where we would have to recognize that you came while we were sleeping. God, if there's anyone in this house this evening that doesn't know you. There's anyone in this house this evening that does not have a relationship with you that has never allowed the blood of Jesus Christ to come into their life and wash away their sins. God, if there's an individual in this house that has said, Tomorrow, God, when I'm done with my thing, God, 
If there's an individual in this house who has had stubbornness of heart for whatever reason, God, and has not yielded themselves to you, I pray that tonight, God, they would make things right. That tonight, God, would be the day of salvation so that they won't be the ones that realize that you came while they were sleeping because they weren't ready, Father. I pray that you would give them the courage, Father God, to announce, Lord, their decision for you if they be in this house this evening. That they would make their way to myself or or an altar worker, an usher, anyone, God, to let us know that they've made a commitment to you. God, go with us as we leave. Hem us in. Cover us, Father God, with your Holy Spirit. Have your angels encamp round about us, Father God, and be a hedge of protection and safety as we go. And above all this, let us be doers of your word and not hearers only. And we give you all the praise and all the glory. And all of God's people said, Amen. Can we bless the Lord, church, as we always do? Amen. Amen. If you have a special need or if you've made a commitment to Christ, please visit me at the altar. Be happy to tarry with you, pray with you in the name of Jesus. Be blessed and go.